hour number two of Spears and Ali, presented by Casino del Sol, the soul of Tucson, Tucson Federal Credit Union, and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. If you want to call into the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. Uh, we're talking Super Bowl to start off hour number two. We're going to talk women's basketball at, at 425 with P.J. Brown. The Arizona Daily Star Insider will be calling us in talking about Arizona's big game against Stanford on Thursday at McHale Center. And I'm very excited to do this story on Thursday for the Arizona Daily Star. I'm going to be going back to my roots as a fan. Growing up here in, in Tucson, Arizona, I'm going to go back to being a spectator. I'm not going to be Rupert the Reporter, as Ollie likes to call me. And I'm going to be a spectator. And I'm going to take notes. And I'm going to observe everything that I take in on that Thursday. So Thursday, if you're an Arizona fan, period, you're going to love it. Because Thursday, you got Arizona softball playing at Rita Hillenbrand Stadium. And then later on, you got the Arizona women's basketball team playing against Stanford. And whenever Arizona and Stanford meet up at McHale Center over the last few years, it's always a big game. So you have that game. And then later on at 9 o'clock, you got the Arizona men's basketball team on the road against the Cal Golden Bears. So I'm going to be going to every single game. Obviously, I'm not going to Cal, Arizona, and Berkeley, but I will be watching and I will be providing my thoughts on it like I normally do. But it's it's going to be really cool. Like I, I've never done something like this before, and I'm going to be bouncing around from sporting event to sporting event, taking in a day loaded with Arizona Wildcats sports. So... Uh, in terms of the Arizona women's basketball game, though, against Stanford, like I said, we got P.J. Brown joining the show at 425. And then for Arizona men's basketball, since today is Top 5 Tuesday, we will be ranking Top 5 Arizona power forwards. So with with Azulis Tubelis playing out of his mind over the last couple of weeks, really ever since 2023 started, because ever since the, the turn of the calendar year, Azulis Tubelis has put up seven double-doubles in ten games. He's been an absolute monster, having a great season. And Azulis Tubelis has been here for three years. So he continues to climb the, the career points list at the University of Arizona. Recently just passed Alonzo Trier and Ivan Rodenovich and still has a lot of time left here. I mean, he already tied his season point total from last season, and yet there's still like seven or eight games left just in the regular season, and then you add in Pac-12 tournament and also NCAA tournament. So Zeus Tabellas is uh, putting up, obviously, his best season, but the numbers he's putting up as of late are just absolutely incredible. So where does Zeus Tabellas fall into the the top power forwards category at the University of Arizona? We're going to rank them coming up here at 440. This is a very tough category because I had to leave out some guys who are natural power forwards, but they didn't play power forward at Arizona. Like Derek Williams, like Bob Elliott, like Jordan Hill. So those guys didn't make the hit the make the list, but man, it was really tough because I could have easily said Derek Williams is a power forward. Bob Elliott could have easily said that because he was just he was just so good. Um but it it was a tough list to create. Hopefully I got it right in the opinion of our listeners, but we'll see. That's coming up at 4.40, and then uh, later on at 5 o'clock, we have coverage of the Brooklyn Nets-Phoenix Suns game at Barclays Center. A lot of drama going on out there in Brooklyn, 
Kevin Durant, what's going on with him? Um, he's been meeting up with Joe Sy in the front office of the Brooklyn Nets, and they're trying to figure out the direction in which they want to go because the counterpart to Kevin Durant requested a trade and wish granted you're going to the Dallas Mavericks, Kyrie Irving. So you got Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and picks in return. Is that good enough to still keep the Brooklyn Nets as a team contending in the Eastern Conference? I'm not so sure. And if you're Kevin Durant, you're, what, 34 years old? You're probably like, listen, man, time's ticking. I Okay, I'm I'm not getting any younger. I need to find a way to start winning some ball games and getting some championships and do it while I'm the guy instead of riding the coattails of the Golden State Warriors. And that's the thing that I find very disappointing in all this. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, they will go down as arguably the biggest disappointment in NBA history because they got together and they had championship aspirations. They were expected to be a group that contends and competes for a championship. And they only played, what, two dozen games together as a trio? Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they also only played, what, 74 games together over four years? That's very disappointing, man. This will always go down as one of the biggest disappointments in, in NBA history, if not the biggest disappointment. But now you got Kevin Durant pretty much, uh, what do they call it, stuck between a rock and a hard place because your time is closing, KD. And what do you do? Do you ride what you have right now and just you know play with you know house money and see if you can get to the NBA Finals with what you got? Or do you request a trade and go team up with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in the Phoenix Suns? And the fact that these two teams are meeting up against each other tonight, there's going to be a lot of uh, chit-chatter going on regarding this game. But th- uh, that game is tipping off at, at 5.30 p.m. Coverage getting started at 5 o'clock here on ESPN Tucson. Uh, let's talk some Super Bowl. Before we get into Super Bowl conversation, you know, one thing that we take pride in here at ESPN Tucson is that we love our listeners. We love our guests. If you're willing to invest any time into our show, into our program, believe me, you are much appreciated. Because, you know, I, I try not to half-ass anything. I always put in my 100% into everything that I do, and that includes this radio show. So the fact that, you know, I work so hard to put together this show, the fact that you guys take time out of your day to listen to me, it's very much appreciated. Let me tell you, first things, like, I, I cannot thank you guys enough for actually being able to like I said, take time out of your day. You could be listening to anybody else. You could be listening to anything else. You could be listening to music, other podcasts, whatever, but you actually take time to listen to me, and I can't thank you enough. And we try to give back to our listeners, and we do so by giving away tickets. And with that being said, we have a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson's 13th Annual Desert Showcase preseason MLS soccer match. Um, the Desert Showcase this year, it features, man, a number of MLS teams. We're talking Chicago Fire FC. We're also talking uh, Real Salt Lake. Uh, Sacramento FC will be down here. Colorado Switchbacks FC are going to be down here. So if you want to go see professional soccer this February, and games get started on February 8th, which is uh, tomorrow, then call right now, 719-1490, 719-1490. Caller number one is getting a pair of tickets to go see the 13th annual Desert Showcase preseason MLS. Caller number one, getting those tickets. And it's really cool because you're seeing 
some of the best soccer in the world right here in Tucson, Arizona. So if you want to, you know, take take a significant other, you want to take one of your kiddos to go see some legit soccer, call in at 719-1490, 719-1490. Caller number one is getting those tickets. And in case uh, you miss out on your chance to win those tickets, we are giving away another pair during tomorrow's Spears and Ali from 3 to 6. And then uh, we're also giving away a Coffee Exchange Bistro gift certificate. Find out later this hour how you can win that. All right, so let's get into the top Super Bowl headlines. Uh, we saw uh, Media Day yesterday up in Glendale, and I just question how on earth some of these people get credentials to go to the Super Bowl because some of the questions that were asked yesterday by media members were just so head-scratching. And, I again, I just I don't get why – the NFL allows these people access. One of the questions asked was, hey, Nick Sirianni from the Philadelphia Eagles, do you believe that this Sunday is a must-win game? Well, it's the last game out of the year. There ain't, ain't other, any, there ain't any other games going on after this Super Bowl. So, yeah, I would say that this is a must-win game. So I, I was watching that, and I, I just couldn't believe that someone would have the audacity to even ask, is this a must-win game? But yeah, it is. And I'm really excited for just the overall matchup. You know, these two teams are very uh, parallel to each other. I mean, when we talk about the the records, they they each have the same record. And then when you talk about scoring offenses, they each have some of the best scoring offenses in the NFL. Their resumes are totally parallel to each other. The Kansas City Chiefs this year are 16-3 overall. They score 546 points. They have six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. They are the AFC's number one seed. The Philadelphia Eagles this year, they're also 16-3. and They've also scored 546 points. And they also have six All-Pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. And oh, guess what? They're, they are the NFC's number one seed. So these two teams are pretty much identical to each other, but they're not built the same. Now, Kansas City, they have Patrick Mahomes. They have a they have a guy who's on the same trajectory as a guy like Tom Brady and the magic that he brings out on a weekly basis, it's truly remarkable. I mean, this guy on a high ankle sprain. Usually when you have a high ankle sprain, you're out for a couple of weeks. Patrick Mahomes eight days later, is balling out like that. So the dude is built differently. And, I mean, even on a high ankle sprain, and I've seen some conspiracy theories out there that he didn't really have an ankle sprain and that he was he was faking it this whole time. I'm not going to believe that, but to see him get that first down late in the game against the Cincinnati Bengals and turn that corner like that, I mean, the dude just finds a way to make plays, whether he's healthy or he's injured. Patrick Mahomes is on pace to be the next Tom Brady. And his toughness, the way he's able to make plays, his clutchness, it's it's pretty awesome to watch. And so I'm curious what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes in this game. Because the last time that the Kansas City Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, remember, they played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They played against the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. But it wasn't Tom Brady who led the Buccaneers 
to a Super Bowl victory. It was their defense, loaded with a bunch of young talent and veteran talent. It was a perfect melting pot slash potpourri of all the right players at the right time. You had, you know, uh, a guy like Nadama Kung Su, you also had uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Tom Brady was, or excuse me, Tom Brady played against Antoine Winfield Jr.'s father, and now he's teammates with Antoine Winfield, and they're over here winning a Super Bowl. But if you go back and you remember how that Super Bowl played out, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes playing absolutely terrible. It was the offensive line playing terrible. They didn't give Patrick Mahomes any protection whatsoever. So you got Patrick Mahomes running around the pocket like a madman trying to make plays with his feet and make plays with his arm, obviously. And he's not getting any protection. And wide receivers, pass catchers, they weren't even catching the football during that game. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was essentially parallel to the ground, falling to the to the turf, finds a way to just launch a ball into the back of the end zone, which was dropped by a pass catcher for the Kansas City Chiefs. So he did not lose that game. Patrick Mahomes balled out. It was the supporting cast for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. Now, things have changed since then. I think their offensive line has gotten a little bit better. Their defense, certainly, especially up front, they've gotten better. Uh, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, you uh, draft a guy like George Karloftis, who's been a great rookie this season and is only going to get better as he gets older. I mean, they drafted well. They got uh, Izzy Pacheco um, as their running back. He wears number 10 as kind of like the, the Tyreek Hill replacement. I mean, he certainly kind of built like him. It wears number 10, and sometimes you think, whoa, it was Tyreek Hill out there? But it's Izzy Pacheco, this uh, star running back slash wide receiver. So they added him. Travis Kelsey continues to show that he's one of the top tight ends in football. And what's crazy is Travis Kelsey in 17 career playoff games. That's, by the way, one regular season. His stats in those 17 games, 127 catches, 1,467 receiving yards, and 15 receiving touchdowns. 15 receiving touchdowns in 17 postseason games. Patrick Mahomes finds Travis Kelsey at the best times, and those two together, they find a way to ball out in the big games and find a way to put Kansas City in a position to win. Um, Kansas City is a better team than last time they played in the Super Bowl. I know that Tyreek Hill losing him certainly hurts. It doesn't it doesn't really help you out when you lose one of the top receivers in the NFL. But they found a way to fix it up. They got Juju Smith Schuster. They got some other wide receivers, uh, Scantling as well, Valdez Scantling. I know I know they're banged up. I know these guys aren't a hundred percent, but they got rid of Tyreek Hill. Or I should say Tyreek Hill got rid of the Kansas City Chiefs. And now the Chiefs find themselves in the Super Bowl once again. Andy Reid has a great system. Eric Bieniemy is a great offensive coordinator. And their defense has been polished up a little bit. And so I, I like Kansas City. I like their chances a lot in this game. But going back to the defense and how Patrick Mahomes was running around like an absolute madman in that game. The Philadelphia Eagles lead the NFL in sacks. And the sack totals that they have this season, we're talking about record numbers. They have a bunch of dudes that can get to the quarterback. So the Kansas City Chiefs, their offensive line has to be on point 
against Philadelphia's pass rush if they want to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night for Kansas City in their offense. And the the trench battle favors the Philadelphia Eagles. Me being a former center, you know I love the hogs up front. You know I love those big guys down there getting dirty in the trenches, making things happen for all the pretty skill players to look good on TV. But the, the trench battle, it favors the Philadelphia Eagles. But will the Kansas City Chiefs find a way to step up? They got a great defensive line. How can their offensive line play? How Kansas City's offensive line plays will determine the outcome of the game. Again, how KC's offensive line plays will determine the outcome of the game. Because the Eagles, they got it down on both sides of the ball. Kansas City, they got a great defensive line. How can their O-line play? That's the one thing to pay attention to. Uh, All right, so crazy prop bets for this weekend. Uh, Brandon Lang said it in the previous hour. Yellow Gatorade apparently is the favorite to be uh, doused on the coaches. So, you know, whenever the, the, the coach wins the Super Bowl and the guys bring over the Gatorade cooler and they dump it on the coach, yeah, you can bet on that. You can bet on the color of the Gatorade. And according to Brandon Lang, he's got inside scoop on the color of the Gatorade, and he said yellow. So I don't know if he's just joking around with us or not, but I like yellow a lot when you think about the, the colors of both teams. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, we're going to talk some Arizona women's basketball with P.J. Brown from the Arizona Daily Star. And, oh, speaking of Arizona women's basketball, during tomorrow's Spears and Ali, we're going to have head coach of the Wildcats, Adia Barnes. She's calling into the show at 525 to get you all hyped up and ready to go for Arizona versus Stanford on Thursday. The game's on ESPN, but you can go to McHale Center and watch the game in person because it's going to be an epic showdown. We got PJ Brown talking about that game coming up next. We are giving away a $50 gift certificate for Coffee Exchange Bistro during last call. So between 4:50 and 5 o'clock, our very last segment of the show today. Stay tuned. Keep your ears peeled because we're giving away a $50 gift certificate for Coffee Exchange Bistro. Let's talk about a big game going down at Thursday at McHale Center. Man, big one. Arizona versus Stanford. It's as good as it gets. The game's on ESPN, but you can go to McHale Center. Adia Barnes is calling for a sellout. And let's see if uh, we can uh, pack the arena and watch this incredible matchup between the Wildcats and the Cardinal. And here to talk about this game is P.J. Brown from the Arizona Daily Star. So, P.J., let's uh, before we get into this matchup, let's talk about what happened this past weekend. My goodness, what a weekend it was for Arizona. For the first time in, I believe, 22 years, the Wildcats have swept the L.A. schools on the road, and they did it in pretty thrilling fashion. They did it against UCLA on on Friday, and then on Sunday, coming back and beating the USC Trojans. It took extra periods to beat them, but, man, three overtimes later, the Wildcats come back with a sweep. What do you make of this past weekend? Sure. Hi, uh, Justin. It was an incredible weekend. I mean, when you think about it, um, beating a 14th-ranked UCLA and then finishing that weekend up with uh, beating USC, who's on the up, right? They're they're the team that's one of the teams in the in the Pac-12 that's really making uh, a statement this year about how much they've improved, and to come out of uh, Los Angeles with that sweep. 
is um, is really, really, it, it came at the right time for these Wildcats. They they came off the weekend before with a with a really hard loss against Washington State, which is probably you could say that was the worst loss of the season. Yeah. And um, to come to bounce back and have this resiliency and just not give up. They were down against UCLA. They came back to tie it up at the end of regulation and force an overtime. And as Shana Pellington said after the game when she talked to Ashley Adamson and, and former coach, ASU coach Charlie Turner Thorne, she said that um, she was thinking, you know, we've got this. We're going to win this game. They never gave up in, in either game. I talked to Shana today actually about it. And um, we were joking about she played 49 minutes on Sunday of a 50-minute game, and she played, I think, 38 or 39 minutes of a 45-minute game the night bef- two nights before. And I said, what would you do when you got home here? And she's like, I ate and I slept. <laughs> um, and, and Shana's in, like, tremendous shape, right? I mean, she's just – she can play these games. And, and she just she just put it – left it all out on the floor, just as her teammates did. I cannot imagine playing those many minutes. And then even today she looks fine, right? Like, she looks like she could play another 40-minute game today. But – you know, these are elite athletes who are in top shape. Um, but but what they did was was really, uh, really something special. And we may, in a few weeks, look back on this and say, this was the turning point of their season. Regardless of what happens against Stanford, this, I think, was the moment that the Wildcats believed in themselves and believed that they can do this. And when they believe, when a team believes that they can do it, they can do it, and that can change that can change everything for them. Whenever I think of Arizona versus Stanford, I always think of Ari McDonald and her game winner in overtime against the Cardinal a couple of years ago. And also Adia Barnes, uh, they upset the the Cardinal at McHale Center in 1998. So while Stanford has had, obviously, the advantage over the Wildcats over the years, the Wildcats every now and again, they creep up and, and they bite back at Stanford. So how can this year's Arizona team get at Stanford and come away with a win? Sure. Well, first of all, obviously it's going to be hard because it's Stanford. Regardless of the fact that they lost the other day, and they seem to be not the Stanford at the moment that we that we expect them to be, right? They have all these All Americans players who are going who are on the list to be Player of the Year with Haley Jones and Cameron Brink. I mean, they they have top players. Um, they just haven't quite. They just don't look yet like the team that that we sort of expect them to be at the moment. But it's still going to be a tough battle. Um, I think that coming into this, Arizona has confidence, right, from this from this weekend, and they never back down from an opponent. So so that's important. But I also think that for them to to pull the upset, they have to do what they did over the weekend, play like a team. 
everybody has to step up and do what they what they do in those situations. That you know, Shane and I did some incredible things over the weekend. Kate came in on Sunday and had thirty three points. Maya Naji stepped up when Asmary was in foul trouble and then fouled out. Maddie came in and knocked down those two big free throws. Um, Helena did the same thing. I mean, if everybody and Jade hit some like incredible shots this weekend, if everybody does what they do best, this is a team effort. That's how you beat a Stanford. That's how you beat the UCLA the other day and you beat USC. It's a team effort. And this is what this team has to do. There is no, um, like, there's no one player, right? There's no Ari McDonald on this team. This is a total team effort. It's balanced. Um, and, and everybody has to come and do what they do best, or, or it won't happen. But it seems like they're on this roll now that, that they will come out and, they'll go toe-to-toe with Stanford. That's what it seems like. We'll find out on Thursday. Absolutely. And, you know, nationally televised game, PJ, you know, Arizona, they always have at least one or two games on ESPN every single year. And for uh, for Arizona to showcase this kind of game, what does it mean for the program to have a game on Thursday on ESPN against Stanford? Oh, it's huge. It's always huge when ESPN comes to town for a women's basketball game. Yeah. Because more eyeballs are on that game, more people get to see what great basketball is played out in the West Coast, right? A lot of people don't get to see it because a lot of games are played much later. Um, and they're competing with everybody else for, um, for time. So being, it's, I, I would imagine it's, you know, it is a Thursday night, so it's the only women's basketball game played at that time. Um, that'll be huge. Um, and if McHale Center is packed like, you know, 10,000 upwards to a sellout, that shows well too on national TV. The fan base here is, is pretty strong and they've backed the Wildcats, um, this program this whole time. And so having people nationally see that is really important too. Um, and you know, it was pretty, uh, a pretty great thing for the program that there were a handful of games this year that are being shown on ESPN women's basketball games for the PAC 12 and Arizona has had two of them. The Oregon game was on ESPN two, uh, at the beginning of January and now this game. And for this one, ESPN's A team of broadcasters are coming in. So it's Holly Rowe, it's Rebecca Lobo and Ryan Rococo. Oh, wow. And um so it they think this is a big game, right? They planned this ahead of time. They thought it was a big game to bring their top people. These are the people who called the NCAA national championship game, the final four, the same crew. So they're coming in. It's a big one. And, you know, if you're not watching on TV, you should be there because, because this could be history, right? They're, they did it a number of years ago with Aerie McDonald hitting that game winner. Um, they did it when Adia was a player with 
Risha Bristol hitting the game winner, which was pretty incredible. This could be another history-making moment, and um, I'm excited that I'm going to be there for it. And you can be there by going to McHale Center. Um, make sure to wear red. It's a red out. I'm not sure why they decided to do a red out when the Stanford Cardinal are coming to town. Because, you know, Stanford fans, they're going to be wearing red, too. Maybe that's why. They're like, hey, you know what? If a bunch of Stanford fans are going to be there, let's kind of match their red, and it's going to look really good on national TV. Maybe that was her thinking. But uh, P.J. Brown from the Arizona Daily Star joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson talking about the big-time matchup between Arizona and Stanford. We're going to be talking to Adia Barnes during tomorrow's Spears and Ali at 525 about that game, so make sure you tune in on Spears and Ali. And uh, be sure to follow PJ's work at Tucson.com and the Wildcaster app. PJ, always appreciate you. Thank you once again. Have fun tomorrow night at McHale. Thanks, Justin. And one last thing for fans. I just saw that the special gift that U of A Athletics is giving to fans tomorrow night. First 1,000 people get an Adia Barnes bobblehead. Wow. So be there be there, and be there early. Yeah. You can own an Adia Barnes bobblehead. That's awesome. <laughs> Appreciate the insight, PJ. Sure. Take care. Take care. All right, we still have that $50 gift certificate for Coffee Exchange Bistro to give away. That will be right around 450 so keep your ears peeled for that. Coming up next, uh, it, today's Top 5 Tuesday, and with Azul Stubelis playing out of his mind lately, where does he rank among power forwards in Arizona basketball history? If you want to join in on the conversation and give us your Top 5 power forwards in Arizona basketball history, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. Top 5 Tuesday coming up next. Spears and Ali coming at you here on a Tuesday afternoon on ESPN Radio, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4. Do we have anybody listening to us on 94.9 HD Channel 4? I know HD radios are more popular among uh, newer cars. Just curious, though. Uh, you know, if uh, We always appreciate the feedback, so if you want to let our people know at ESPN Tucson whether, uh, whether or not you're listening to 94.9 HD Channel 4, that'd be greatly appreciated. And... I think uh, 94.9 HD Channel 4 is the best version to listen to the show live. I mean, ESPNTucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app, your Alexa devices, those are great because you can listen to us anywhere, whether it's in your house, your garage, your kitchen, your backyard, whatever. But 94.9 HD Channel 4, when I listen to it, whenever I'm driving around, it's very crisp. It's very 4K, as everyone says nowadays. So... If you have an HD radio, make sure you find us on 94.9 HD Channel 4 to get Spears and Ali in 4K. All right, today is Tuesday, so we're doing Top 5 Tuesday. And for today's segment, we're ranking Top 5 Arizona basketball power forwards. This is a tough one. This is a tough one because so many guys, I think, uh, qualify to be a power forward at a lot of other places, I mean, in the eye, Derek Williams is a power forward. He was 6'8", 6'9", versatile, could score at multiple levels on the court. But when he was at the University of Arizona, he was not a power forward. If you remember the starting lineup when Derek Williams was at Arizona during the second season, you had guys like Momo Jones, you had Kyle Fogg, you also had um, Jesse Perry, as your power forward. And then Derek Williams played 
the center. Solomon Hill was the small forward. Uh, Kevin Parham came off and was also a, a backup small forward. So you had a lot of uh, guys on that team who all had their, you know, respective positions. Derek Williams on the NBA teams, he was a power forward slash small forward. At the University of Arizona, he was not that. He was Arizona's starting center. So I didn't put Derek Williams on this list. I didn't put Bob Elliott on this list because Bob Elliott under Fred Snowden was that dude. When you talk about the greatest post players in Arizona basketball history, you put Bob Elliott near the top. I mean, the man put up 38 points and 25 rebounds against Arizona's arch rival. I mean, that's got to count for something, right? So Bob Elliott, while he is a well-respected player and will always get my respect as one of the top, not just post players, but players, period, in Arizona basketball history, he's not going to make the top five power forwards list because when he was at Arizona, he was Arizona's starting center. But his teammate made the list for top five Tuesday. Uh, some other guys who unfortunately didn't make the list for top five Arizona power forwards, uh, Richard Jefferson was one of them, and Jordan Hill. I know a lot of people were assuming that I would probably include a guy like Jordan Hill. Number eight overall pick in the 2009 NBA draft was a great post player, but when he was at Arizona, he played center. So here is my list for top five power forwards in Arizona basketball history. Starting off with number five, I mentioned Bob Elliott's teammate, and that guy is Al Fleming, the guy who was recently inducted into the Ring of Honor last week when Azulu Stubello scored 40 points and nearly broke his record. Well, Al Fleming currently holds the record for most points scored by a Wildcat at McHale Center. Ernie McRae had 46 at Bear Down Gym. Al Fleming had 41 at McHale Center in 1976 when Arizona beat a Detroit team coached by ESPN broadcaster Dick Vitale. So it's, it's so weird to... To see the different connections. And, you know, a lot of people will always think of Dick Vitale as the legendary broadcaster. But he was, once upon a time, a head coach. And he coached at Detroit. And Al Fleming gave his team buckets in 1976. And Al Fleming's 41-point game, coupled with the fact that he has the most double-doubles in school history, coupled with the fact that he's got the most career rebounds in school history, you got to put that dude among the top five power forwards in Arizona history. And then, going on to number four, I'm putting Azulis Tubelis in that category. Now, Azulis Tubelis, there's still a lot to be uh, determined, right? I mean, we still have, what, seven or eight games left in the regular season, Pac-12 tournament, NCAA tournament. How Azulis Tubelis responds in the NCAA tournament this year, I think will really... Uh, give Arizona fans some sort of perspective on how much he got better from last year to this year. But when he was dominated by Houston in the NCAA tournament, he took it personally and went into the summer, worked his butt off, grinded during the offseason, and became tough. And now he's averaging a double-double ever since the turn of the calendar year. And he's one of the best-running big men in college basketball. And we're talking about him not only winning Pac-12 Player of the Year, but possibly National Player of the Year. If Zach Eady has a little bit of a drop-off and Azulis Tubelis continues to play the level that he's at, he really might be in contention to win National Player of the Year. Um, so I'm putting Azulis Tubelis at number four. 
I know, call it recency biased. I know people are probably rolling their eyes when they hear that, but Azulus Tubelis, man, he's playing some good basketball right now. And I got to put him at number four. And he, shoot, he almost had 50 points against Oregon last week. Almost broke Al Fleming's record for crying out loud. And then at number three, I'm going to put Michael Wright on that list. Uh, Michael Wright played for the Wildcats from 1998 to 2001. And during his college career, he averaged 15.1 points and 8.4 rebounds. Remember, 15.1 points and 8.4 rebounds. And these are during the era in which Arizona is loaded. Arizona had guys like Richard Jefferson. uh, Luke Walton was around. I mean, uh, Eugene Eggerson was playing during that time. So Arizona had a lot of good players. I mean, shoot, Jason Terry was also on these teams. Uh, He won Pac-12 Player of the Year in 1999, uh, Michael Wright's freshman season at Arizona. But Michael Wright averaged double figures in every single game he was at the University of Arizona. In his freshman season, averaged 8.9 rebounds. During his sophomore season, 8.7 rebounds. And his junior season, 7.8 rebounds. The dude put up numbers on teams that were absolutely loaded. And when you talk about the most underrated players in Arizona basketball history, you got to put Michael Wright in that category. Number two, speaking of Luke Walton, I'm putting him up there. Uh, you know, Luke Walton is probably one of the best point forwards that Arizona has ever had. And the success that he had at college, I mean, he was the face of Arizona basketball, again, at a time when they had Jason Gardner and so many high-profile players on that team. So Luke Walton, how he was a point forward for Arizona with Richard Jefferson, with Jason Gardner and all those guys, I got to put him at number two. And because we're going off the technicality here, I got to put DeAndre Ayton at number one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that he's a center. I know that he's playing the five at the NBA level with the Phoenix Suns. But when he was at Arizona in his one season, he was the power forward alongside Dusan Ristix. Carl Malone, award winner. Carl Malone was a power forward for all you folks wondering. So DeAndre Ayton, to me, gets best power forward just because of what he played at Arizona. Do I really think he's a power forward? No. The dude is a five. But when he was at Arizona, he was Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. He was Pac-12 Player of the Year. He was also named Pac-12 Tournament Most Outstanding Player. No player in conference history has ever done that. He was winning accolade after accolade, had such an impressive individual season. It's just unfortunate that he completely disappeared in the first round of the tournament against Buffalo, or at least Arizona didn't really go to him. So I know people are probably rolling their eyes like, oh my gosh, Justin, are you kidding me? You really put DeAndre Ayton up there? Hey, man, incredible freshman, one of the best that Arizona's ever had. To me, off just off that one season, he gets my nod for best power forward. Um, I know people are like, what the hell, man? You missed out on Brian Williams, you a.k.a. Bison Daly. I know, man, I know. This is my list. Okay, you can have your own list. I know people have mentioned me on Twitter. They've given their list, and all respect to them. But this is my list for top five power forwards. What's your list? You're more than welcome to call in at 719-1490, 719-1490, or you can let me know on Twitter at Justin Sports. But stay tuned, because coming up next, 
We're giving away a $50 gift certificate for Coffee Exchange Bistro. More Spears and Ali right here on ESPN Tucson. All righty. It is time for Last Call. Love that song, by the way. Last Call. I mean, hey, it, Last Calls are always our last segment of the show today, but we had to play Last Call today. Um, let's, uh, let's give away a $50 gift certificate for Coffee Exchange Bistro, shall we? If you're the first caller at 719-1490, 719-1490, you will get a $50 gift certificate for Coffee Exchange Bistro. And here's what you can get at Coffee Exchange Bistro. You can get hot and cold coffees, lattes, teas, smoothies, specialty drinks. They got breakfast food, sandwiches, wraps, bagels, salads, croissant breakfast sandwiches, hummus, uh, pita plates. They got burgers. They got all sorts of things over there at Coffee Exchange Bistro. It's fast and convenient with their drive through service, and they offer half-priced drinks from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. daily. They also have live music there Thursday, Friday, Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m., and big party reservations are always welcome at Coffee Exchange Bistro. So check them out at coffeeexchange.com, or you can call in at 719-1490, and caller number one is getting that $50 gift certificate. And I believe we're also doing a, a half-price Friday deal with the Coffee Exchange uh, Bistro gift certificate. So on Friday, you can click the half-price Friday deals link, and you can get a $50 Coffee Exchange Bistro gift card for just $25. And uh, we're doing giveaways all week long here on Spears and Ali. So if you missed your chance to win it, don't worry. We're going to have more chances during tomorrow's show. And plus, we also have the MLS soccer showcase tickets to give away as well. So we always love our listeners. We love to show you guys that we appreciate you by giving you gift certificates, tickets to events, whatever. And uh, yeah, it's, it's our way of saying thank you for listening to us here on ESPN Tucson. So you never know you listen to us, you might get some, some tickets or a coffee exchange bistro gift certificate. All right. So we were just talking about top five, Arizona, power forwards of all time and I'm looking at some of the suggestions or the submissions on uh, on Twitter and Brad Alice big shout out to him he put Michael Wright Derek Williams Azulis Tubelis Brian Williams and Ben Davis and he says I'm counting Aaron Gordon as a small forward since that's where he played most and it, this is true the first half of the season he was playing a small forward, and then Brandon Ashley had that broken foot injury and then came in and was uh, the, the power forward. So do you determine Aaron Gordon as a small forward, a power forward? I've always considered him more as a small forward, in my opinion, but um, yeah, I think that's you can't go wrong with Aaron Gordon on your list. And let's see here. We also got uh, Damon Dog. He puts, uh, considering Aiton won the Malone Award, so he's not putting... Uh, or he's, he's putting DeAndre Ayton up at the top. But he's putting Derek Williams, DeAndre Ayton, Michael Wright, Lori Marketing, and Azulus Tubelis. Um, you got to show love for the older guys. got to show love for the Al Flemings, man. The guy has the most career double-doubles in Arizona basketball history. Plus, he also has the most career rebounds. And he played power forward alongside Bob Elliott. So... Got to give Al Fleming some love. I know he was recently inducted into the Ring of Honor, and you know his name is popular, especially with Azulus Tubelas going for his record. But Al Fleming, one of the greatest power forwards of all time, no doubt. 
Coming up next, we got coverage of Suns Nets all the way out from Brooklyn. We'll be back tomorrow. By the way, Adia Barnes joining the show at 525. Tune in from 3 to 6.